The Reality of the Law, Chapter 3, Mere Christianity. Yeah, it's a short chapter, um, mm-hmm. and he's really just talking about how this law of human nature is different from the other laws natural of nature's laws. natural laws, such as gravity. Yeah. Um, and he talks about in the first paragraph, he says, I'm not concerned at present with blame. I am trying to find out truth. From that point of view, the very idea of something being imperfect, of its not being what it ought to be, has certain consequences. Mm-hmm. So he's not trying to figure out how yeah. how much blame we should a person deserves for not yeah. following this law of nature, for not doing what they ought to do. Yeah, he's just trying to figure out how is this law of nature different you know the, yeah. it's titled the what does reality it mean that we don't law. do what we ought to do yes it doesn't, we're not yet talking mm-hmm. about like if, you know, that we have some blame or some mm-hmm. debt when we don't do it when he talks about the law the other laws of nature the natural laws mm-hmm. um he says you cannot be sure that there's anything over and above the facts themselves any law about what ought to happen as distinct from what does happen any referring to a like a stone falling when you drop it um you know it's not you're not we've never been a stone we <laughs> you're only yourself right that's what you can't see behind the scenes exactly of what happens with natural laws yeah. um you can only see what happens you drop a, you let go of a stone in the air and it falls that's mm-hmm. the law of gravity um you don't he says you do not really think that when a stone is let go it suddenly remembers that is under that it is under orders to fall to the ground mm-hmm. you only mean in fact it does fall yeah. so it's not like it's actually following mm-hmm. the law of gravity it's and just that's what it does that's how this law of nature or human nature or the law of decent behavior is different um because we're not talking about what we do we're talking about what we know that we ought to do yeah you know just pretty strange and he says it's i like this little intro to this paragraph here now this is really so peculiar that one is tempted to try to explain it away (laughs) um for instance we might try to make out when you say a man ought not act as he does you only mean uh you only mean the same as when you say that a stone is the wrong shape Namely, that what he is doing happens to be an inconvenience to do, to you. Um, and what he's saying is like, really, we're not worried about the level of inconvenience. He talks about like, if I'm sitting on a train and there's a corner seat that I would like to have mm-hmm. and somebody has it because they got there before me, I'm inconvenienced, but I don't You feel don't feel like he did anything wrong. Them. Yeah. Whereas if I turn around for a second and somebody sneaks in the one I was about to get in, um clearly being sneaky there i'm inconvenienced the same amount but now i feel Mm -hmm. like morally i've been wronged yeah you know so 
it's something else. It's just another more evidence that there is this law of mm-hmm. decent behavior. That there is something that a way that people ought to behave. Yeah. Um, so he says you cannot say that what we call decent behavior in others is simply the behavior that happens to be useful to us. Yeah. Because um, people can do morally correct things that you know inconvenience us mm-hmm. for example sitting in our favorite seat on the train mm-hmm. you know that was they had every right morally to do that did nothing wrong but we're still inconvenienced yeah and so it's not just we like people to do what's convenient to us mm-hmm. um, there's something else we're aware of when they're doing the right or wrong thing i love i i've got this part underlined where he says if we ask, why ought I to be unselfish? And you reply, because it is good for society. Then we may ask, why should I care what's good for society, mm-hmm. except when it happens to pay me personally? Yeah. And then you will have to say, because you ought to be unselfish, uh, which simply brings us back to where we started. Yeah. You were saying what is true, but you are not getting any further. Mm-hmm. You know, so... I think, and I mentioned this before, and I don't remember which episode it was in, but it's not irrational to be selfish. You know, it's not that selfishness is isn't the it, you know somebody's not crazy if they're wanting to act selfish. Yeah. We think that it, we know that it's wrong to be yeah. selfish. But not because that's it's just our you know naturally we take yeah it's not because it's, it's logically incorrect yeah exactly it makes a lot of sense really mm-hmm. and so the fact that we feel like we should be unselfish is really it's, surprising that's why yeah it's really interesting that we have this thing that tells us that we shouldn't be selfish yeah and we got to figure out where does that come from you know yeah um because being selfish is it's rational it makes sense why you know why shouldn't you get whatever you want exactly when you want it at the expense of everybody else that's what all of nature is Mm -hmm. is completely selfish um like they every time somebody thinks they've discovered an unselfish behavior in an animal different areas of nature Mm -hmm. It turns out it was actually selfish. Yeah. That's how everything works mm-hmm. is for their own good, all creation. Except <clears throat> suddenly here's us humans and we have this weird thing where we're mm-hmm. trying to be unselfish. Which is another reason why, like in chapter two, he's talking about the herd instinct mm-hmm. and how people say, well, the reason that you think it's good to help people is because of the herd instinct. Yeah. But there that's different because you can want to help people for selfish reasons too so that they'll Mm, pay you back right but you can also know that you should help people who are never going to pay you back yeah you know when you see somebody drowning like lewis talks about in chapter two yeah you know that you ought to go in and help them yeah even though you're putting yourself at risk and you've got two different instincts there fighting your herd instinct and your instinct for survival but you know that you ought to suppress the instinct for survival and amplify the herd instinct there to go and and so that can't itself be one of the instincts which is again just exactly what he was saying in chapter two but it's and it just all ties together really well 
And that's another one of those interesting, his experiments is he puts you in it, in your head, you're imagining now, okay, somebody's drowning. Mm-hmm. And of course, I feel like I should help them whether I do or don't. Um, I feel like I should. And it's definitely not because I think that's ultimately going to benefit me more. Think about the costs there. Mm-hmm. Jumping in to save somebody who's drowning is incredibly risky and dangerous. And what are the odds they're actually going to, because of that, be able to, you know, save your life at a later date? Yeah. You know, man, that seems like a real, a lot of risk and not such a great reward. And mm-hmm. so it's something other than just selfishness there. Um, and I think you'll agree if you do that thought experiment yourself. So we've got this law of decent behavior mm-hmm. that we can't get rid of the idea. That's one thing Lewis says. And it's a real law that none of us made. Mm. I like know. that. Yeah, that's the title There's... of the chapter, the reality of the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love, he talks about, like at the beginning of the chapter, he's talking about the difference between this facts, like a stone will fall if you drop it. And he says at the end, it is not a fact in the ordinary sense, in the same way our actual behavior is a fact. So it's not a fact like our, what we actually go and do, mm. you yeah. know, is a fact. Um it begins to look as if we shall have to admit that there is more than one kind of reality. Mm. That in this particular case, there's something above and beyond the ordinary facts of men's behavior. Yeah. And yet de- quite definitely real. A real law which none of us made, but which we find pressing on us. Yeah. It's like, unfortunately, guys, we got to kind of admit something's going on here. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an, a cool way of putting it. There's... Uh, a different kind of reality than the one we see around us mm-hmm. um, and you kind of gotta think through it and I think this is probably what C.S. Lewis himself kind of went through when he started questioning his own atheism right that's how C.S. Lewis started out and so he walked this whole journey step by step mm-hmm. and kind of thinking through and eventually you hit a point where if you do kind of accept that there is some kind of moral law here. It's not from us. It's not from our own uh, individual desires, our selfishness. And it's not from this herd mentality, this herd instinct. It's from something else, some some other reality. Mm-hmm. So the next step is to figure out what is that other reality. Yeah. Now we're, it's, I like that. He leaves on a cliffhanger, mm-hmm. actually, leading you up to the next chapter. So, yeah, check back in later for the next chapter, I yeah. guess, if we're going to end it there. Or get the book and read ahead. <laughs> You'll find book. out yourself. Yeah, highly recommend you get the book. Thanks for listening to Talking With Intention. We hope that you enjoyed the show. If you found any part of it meaningful, the best way to support us would just be to share it on social media. It might not seem like a lot, but it makes a big difference for us. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for new episodes, we'd love to hear from you, so my email's in the description. Also, feel free to check out my website, nwcollins.org, for some more blog posts on similar topics, as well as some short stories and poetry that I like to write. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.